Well, last week we began a new series, and I'm calling this series Keeping It Real, a study of 1 John, because we are going through the book of 1 John, and as we go through this book, um, we're seeing where, where faith matters. We're seeing kind of faith that's like, this is basic faith. This is where rubber meets the road kind of faith, and this matters. John's writing as an overseer or someone who's very, who's very uh, um, acquainted with uh, the group that he's writing to. So it's not like so many of the other letters that you see in the, in, in the epistles. It's not like so many of the other letters that have a, a formal salutation and then a, a greeting at the end and so forth. It's, a, it's a, 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 a written as one who's exercising pastoral oversight over this group, this community of believers. And as he's doing that, you know, he's, he's writing because there have been, there were some in the group that were false teachers that have left and started their own thing, and they're writing in response. He's writing in response to that and correcting some of the errors that were sown into, uh, into this community of faith. Uh, we talked about the incarnation last week, which means that, that Jesus wasn't just a man. He was a man, yes, he was fully man, but he was at the same time fully God. He was God in the flesh, and that's what incarnation means, in, in the flesh. He was God in the flesh, and John it hits that heavy in his gospel. He hits it heavy here in his in his epistles. It's 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 in, it, it's really a cardinal doctrine of the Christian faith. In order to be Christian, you really need to come to the realization that Je- that Jesus is God in the flesh. So, very important. And as we said, as we look through First John, last week we mentioned that there are three key things that keep appearing. Throughout this letter, they're going to keep popping their head up because, remember, this letter wasn't written in response to some false teachers. So he hits the things that, that where they are in error, the way where they were false. He hits the, those key things over and over and over throughout this letter. Those three things that we see as we go through this are the incarnation of Christ, which we talked about last week, the incarnation of Christ, our love for our brothers and sisters, especially those who are in need. So our love for our brothers and sisters, especially those who are in need, and the relationship between sin and those who are children of God and how we can know if we're really children of God. So he talks about that relationship. He talks about sin as it, as it uh, has to do with the children of God and how can we know that we're really in God's family, really uh, uh, God's children. So these themes keep coming up because of these false teachers who had left, and 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 they were, you know, they were trying to lead others astray. So John writes, and he says, you know, he just keeps hitting it. He just keeps hitting it, and and he writes and 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 keeps bringing these things up throughout the letter. Um, they're interwoven throughout the letter. Today we're going to look at a passage that picks up where we left off last week, and it's in 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. We're going to go through the beginning of chapter 2. So let's go ahead and read it. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. 
If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we, li- we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I love that how John says that. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. One of the key themes that we're looking, uh, of the key themes that we're looking at in this book, which one do we see here? Anybody pick it out? Of the key themes, which one of the key themes? Are we talking about the incarnation of Christ? Are we talking about our love for our brothers and sisters? Are we talking about the relationship between sin and those who are children of God and how we can know if we're really children of God? The long one? one? That's a good way to put it. (laughs) We're talking about sin and its relationship to the children of God. Of the three key themes within this letter, that's what we're talking about. So uh, 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 that's what we're looking at today. And he starts off by saying, God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. Last week, as we started our study of 1 John, we said that truth matters. It matters a great deal what we believe about the one in whom we place our faith. It matters that, that, that what we believe about the one in whom we place our faith is not just our own thoughts and ideas. You know, we don't have the freedom to choose what God is like. Scripture is very clear about this. We are created in His image. We don't create Him in our image, as some have tried to do. Well, you know, the God I serve it wouldn't, it would never do this, or He would never do that, or He wouldn't be like this. Well, then we're creating God in our image. We have to look at Scripture and say, what does it say about God? And say, yes, I believe that, or no, I don't and we'd be wrong. So we, we, you know, we accept who Scripture tells us He is. And uh, uh, when John says God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all, he's telling us something about the character of God. Light speaks of splendor, speaks of His glory, speaks of His truthfulness, speaks of His, his purity, There is not even a trace of untruthfulness in God. There is not even a trace of deception in God. There is not even a trace of dishonesty in God. When God says something, we never have to worry about what his motives might be. Never have to worry about that. He's a good God. Not some of the time, all of the time. He is a good God. 
<clears throat> not just that he does good. Oh, he's a God and he does good things now and then. It's not just that he does good. He is good. That's his very character. That's his very nature. And he calls us, his children, he calls us to walk in the light of his truth. Now, in contrasting light and dark, he's making reference here to the false teachers, which had, um, which had previously been in the group. He's making a reference to the false teachers who were denying the truth of who Jesus is. Remember, we said that they were that the fall, these false teachers that had left were saying Jesus, you know, he, he didn't really come in the flesh. He's not really God in the flesh. He didn't really come in the flesh. He, he just appeared in the flesh. He, he, he appeared to have a, a, a physical body, but he didn't really. You see, the, what was going on was the beginning of the roots of a, of a doctrine which would become um, really much more developed in the, next, uh, in, the, in the next century after this called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism had to do with special knowledge. Gnosticism had to do, you know, with like saying, well, we have special knowledge over others. It also, there, there were two streams of Gnosticism, two kind of branches of it. One of them taught that um, the material world, world our bodies, it, it, they were of no concern. They didn't matter. They didn't make a difference. You know, we didn't, really need, didn't need to pay attention to them. The other one was saying that, no, the body is evil. The flesh is evil. It's bad, and there's no good in it. And that contradicts what the Scripture says in Genesis when, when God you know, made human beings and said it is good. All, all throughout creation, God saw it and said it is good. Our bodies are not evil. Now, can we do evil things with them? Obviously. Are they fallen? Yes. But God created us with good bodies. You know, you may hate the body you have, but God gave it to you, and it is a good gift from him. So um, <clears throat> these false teachers were, 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 weren't walking in the light of truth. They were walking in the darkness of deception. And the reason this mattered is because the recipients of this letter were in danger of being influenced by these false teachers. So John begins to tell us how we can know whether our faith is genuine or not. He gives us some guidelines. He gives us some uh, tests of whether our faith is genuine or whether it's not genuine, whether it's something we need to think about or change or consider. And in the next few verses, um, as we're going to look at this, we can judge whether we're walking in the light or not. Now, first thing, ask ourselves, does my walk match my talk? Does how I live my life match what I say I believe? Does it match what I claim? In other words, do we say one thing, but yet live another thing? Or am I living what I say? And verse 6 says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. That's the first way to tell whether or not our faith is genuine. Light is incompatible with darkness. They cannot mix. They just cannot mix. You turn off all the lights in this room and in the hallway, you seal off every window and door and, and turn the lights and it'll be pitch black in here. 
won't do it because fire marshal won't let us. But if we did that, it would be pitch black in here. Walk over to the light switch, flip on the switch, or push that button, and all of a sudden, the room fills with light. What happens to the darkness? It goes. It goes because light and dark cannot reside in the same place. Light always chases darkness. It is Light is incompatible with darkness. Now, if a person says they're walking in the light, or if they say they're walking with God, but their life is filled with darkness, filled with lies, filled with deception, filled with falsehoods, then they're not, walking in the, they're not walking with God because they're not walking in the light. Because to walk with God means to walk in His light, to walk in the light of His Word. All throughout the New Testament, darkness is used to describe the way we used to live before we came to Christ. The life that we used to live, the life that, that, that God has called us out of. You know, Paul says in, in Ephesians 5.8, says that we used to live in darkness, but now in the Lord we are light. Colossians 1.13 says that God delivered us from the dominion of darkness and set us in the kingdom of his beloved son. He delivered us. One translation says he rescued us. And he, so he reached out and he snatched us out of, the, out of the fire. He snatched us out of the darkness and, and placed us in a kingdom of his son, in a kingdom of light. We don't live there anymore. Darkness used to define our lives, but when we come to Christ, darkness is no longer what defines us. Now, we may visit it once in a while. We shouldn't, but let's be honest, we all do. But it's not what defines our lives. It says if we continue to walk in darkness, if we continue to live in darkness, if we continue to abide in darkness... We're just fooling ourselves if we think that we're living in the light just because we may say something about God or say we believe something about Him. If our lives don't back up what we claim, then there's no truth to what we claim. If we claim one thing but live another, then our lives negate what we claim. But, and I love this, if we are living in the light... Then we tell the truth. Then we know that our faith is genuine because we're living what we claim we believe. We're living what we're saying. Our walk is matching our talk. Verse 7, But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. This tells us that as we, if we are truly walking in the light, we're walking in fellowship with one another. So one goes with the other. Walking in the light is to walk in fellowship. So, you know, if we're not in fellowship, we need to ask ourselves, why aren't we? What's, what's the issue here? And it may possibly be because 
we're not really walking in light. Maybe it could, could be something else. You know, we lived a year and a half without walking in physical fellowship with each other, although we maintained fellowship through, you know, other connections. But because of a pandemic, we couldn't physically meet with each other. Um, um, that's, that's not what I'm talking about, you know. Um, some countries you live in, and they, it, they're hard-pressed to, to find fellowship with other believers because as soon as somebody finds out they're a believer, they open themselves up to all kinds of persecution. You know, I, I, I daily read stories of persecution throughout the world, um, and, you know, it's, it, it's hard. But, but you know, in, in, in a situation where we are, where we have the opportunity for fellowship with each other, and again, it doesn't mean just coming to church on Sunday. That's not what I'm talking about. That's a part of it. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sharing our lives um, with each other. Uh, last week, we, we uh, in the section before this, we talked about, said that our fellowship with God, which we defined as participating together or sharing together in the supernatural life of the historical Jesus, the Word of Life, the Son of God, that it's contingent upon the truth of who Jesus is, that he is God in the flesh, and we talked about that. If we're truly sharing in his life, then we're walking in this light, the light of his truth, and we're doing it with other believers. We are not isolated. Genuine faith results in fellowship, not isolation. So that's the first test of genuine faith. Does our, does our uh, life match what we claim? Uh, are we in fellow, regular fellowship with the community of faith where, where we're sharing that supernatural life of Jesus together? Uh, 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 <clears throat> if we're not, then we should ask, well, why not? See, when the Father adopted us into his family, he didn't do it so we could isolate ourselves from his family. To walk in the light is to walk in fellowship. So, second test. Am I honest about my life? Am I honest about my life? That's a test of genuine faith. Am I being honest about it? None of us live a perfect life, okay? We all have areas where we are not hitting the mark. You know, uh, the, the word for sin is, the, the word most commonly used for sin is the word that means, you know, missing the mark. You know, I love to shoot archery, and I aim for that bullseye every time. I miss it more than I get it. Every once in a while, out of pure grace of God and luck, I hit it dead on center. You know, that arrow goes right to the, not only to that inner circle, but to the X in the middle of the inner circle. And I make sure I document that with photo, photographic evidence so nobody, you know, doubts my word about it. So for all you that say, yeah, what'd you do, go in and push the arrow in there? No, it was a real shot. It's the time I didn't miss the mark. So, <laughs> for you golfers out there, it's, it's like a hole in one, <clears throat> you know. Uh, so, there, take that. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, wh where was I? Okay, uh, here, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, if we think we're always hitting the mark, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The problem we have is nobody likes to admit when they're wrong. Have you found that? Have you discovered that? Do you like to admit when you're wrong? How, can, how many can remember the, the uh, TV show Happy Days? I know I'm dating myself here. 
Raise your hand if you remember happy days. Okay, you remember Fonzie? How, what a difficult time he had saying, you know, well, Richie, I, I was... Or, or, or Potsy, I, I, I was... When I told you that, I was... He couldn't say it, you know? None of us like to admit that we're wrong. Nobody likes to confess that they've done wrong. And, you know, except for one thing. I don't like it except for one thing. I, I'm not, I sometimes, you know, I, ha, I, I admit I have been wrong. I, you know, and, and when I am, I do my best to admit it right away. But there's one thing I like about admitting that I'm wrong. And that is the next verse that John tells us. What he tells us, he says, if we're honest about our life, if we confess our sin, then John tells us that God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the saving grace of, of, of going to someone and saying, I was wrong. That's the saving grace. To confess sin now means not only to say, I did it, <clears throat> but it's also to say the same thing that God says about it. When we do that, when we confess our guilt and, and that say that what we did was wrong with no excuses, no qualifiers, no justification of sin, when we confess that to God like that, we run right into the mercy of God. That's where I want to run. And that's one mark I'm determined not to miss because I am going to run right into the mercy of God. God is faithful, and He's just. God is faithful both to His nature, who He is, and to His promises. So when He says, if you'll do this, I'll do that, then we can trust Him to do what He says. Over and over and over and over in Scripture, God promises to forgive the sins of his children. But we have to be honest about it and bring it to him. Genuine faith is faith that's honest enough about my life to own up when I sin, and when I do, know that I will be forgiven and purified. The word for forgiven speaks of a cancellation of all debts. A dismissal of charges. That's what forgiven means. Charges dismissed. The word for purify speaks of being cleansed from the pollution of sin so that I can now start living a new life, a life where I'm walking in holiness, a life where I'm walking in the ways that God wants us to walk. Third test, am I being honest about my own need? Now, <clears throat> verse 10 that we're going to look at is very similar to verse 8, yet it's different. Verse 8 is talking about my current situation. Every one of us has sinned somewhere in our lives, has areas where we are missing the mark, and we need to just, as we become aware of it, bring it to Him. Verse 10 is talking about our history. 
verse 10 says, if we claim we have not sinned, or if we claim we've never sinned, there's never been sin in our life, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his words simply not in us. It's not in us. The reason this is so important is because if we've never sinned, then we don't need a Savior. And if we don't need a Savior, there is no point to the crucifixion. Why did he die? Why did Jesus die? If we don't need a Savior, if we just do it on our own and live that perfect life, then the crucifixion is meaningless. But you see, Jesus came to save us from sin. Now, not very many people today, I think there are a few, but not many, very many people today would be so naive as to say, I've never sinned, okay? But a lot of people would say something like this, I'm a good person. I'm one of the good guys. I'm not like that group or that person or whatever. I don't mean to cast any dispersions on anybody sitting over here just by, I'm just using my hands. <laughs> I could easily just, well, no, we'll drop that. But <laughs> a lot of people would say that, you know, I don't need, you know, someone, and, and I've heard people say, I don't need someone to save me. They don't see the need that they have. Many people consider themselves Christian or would say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian because they're basically good people or because they're American. Or be, which has nothing to do with it, or, or because they believe in God. Well, I, I'm a good person. I believe in God. And those people can be the hardest ones to reach with the gospel because they don't see and don't recognize their own need for a Savior. Through Christ's death and resurrection, we have forgiveness from sin. But if we've never sinned, then what do we need forgiveness for? What do we need a Savior for? My faith is only genuine when I recognize that without Jesus, I am lost. Without Jesus, I am completely and totally lost. Without hope and without any answer to the problem of my sin. That's where I stand without Jesus. Not someone else's sin, my sin. Because of my sin, I desperately need a Savior. The good news is, when we come to that place where we can own and confess our sin, our own sin, then we have a great advocate. Someone who will stand with us before the Father and plead our case. This is what we see at the beginning of chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you, and I, and I love the way he does it. My dear children, he's writing like a, like a father would to his, to his child. He's writing as someone who exercises loving pastoral oversight over his, this, this congregation, over this, uh, this uh, community of faith. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Now, that's his intent. John's intent in writing is, is that we would no longer sin, that we would not sin. That's the goal every one of us uh, uh, strives for, should strive for, that we are not going to sin. 
Jesus offered his life for our sin, not so that we could continue to sin, but that so we would stop sinning. The idea is to no longer live like we did before, but that our lives would change. That, that, that instead of living like we did before, we would learn to live holy lives. Now, it's not perfect lives, but holy lives. That's the intention here. But then John continues. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. I think we would all agree that despite our best intentions, we don't always live up to those intentions, right? How many times have we said, oh, I wasn't going to do that anymore. I wasn't going to go there. I wasn't going to say this anymore. And we, but we, we have these good intentions, but we don't always live up to those intentions, no matter how, how strongly we intend to do them. But in God's mercy, he has given us an advocate. He has given us one who will stand with us before the Father and plead our case. It's like this. We stand before the Father, the Holy One, the Mighty One, Almighty God, the perfect God in whom is no darkness at all. We stand before Him. We're charged with a crime. We're charged with sin. We're charged with something. And He looks at us and says, what is your plea? And because we've been caught red-handed, we say, guilty. I did it. Guilty. The Father says, do you have anything else to say for yourself before I pass sentence? And then our advocate stands up. Our defense attorney, so to speak. And as our defense attorney stands, he says, Your Honor, Father, I would like to enter into evidence Exhibit A. Okay. Present it before the, before the bench. Then he presents as Exhibit A his righteousness. The judge then looks at us without hearing anything else. There's still an accuser in the background here. He's throwing out accusations and accusing and, and, and all of that. But there, that, that. That's still back there. But the judge looks at us and says, based on the evidence of Exhibit A, I declare you not guilty. All of heaven breaks out in a chorus of rejoicing. And we drop to our knees in thanksgiving because we realize what's been done for us. Genuine faith is faith that's lived out in our day-to-day -day lives. Genuine faith doesn't cover or hide sin. It owns up to it, honestly, confesses it. 
It opens the door to forgiveness and strengthens our resolve to not repeat the same, same sin again. Is your faith genuine faith? In other words, are you living by what you believe? Now, I'm not saying a perfect life, but an honest life. Perfect life would be where nobody ever sins and, and you know, none of us are there. But an honest life is walking in the light, doing everything we can to, to live in the fellowship of God and, and, and walk in His presence and do the, live like He wants us to live and do the things He wants us to do and, and just enjoying His fellowship. And, 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 and you know, that's, that's, um, um, that's genuine faith. And when we fall, when we stumble, when we trip, when we blow it, as soon as we recognize that, we take it before the Father and say, I'm guilty, I did this. And we receive forgiveness and we receive purification for our sins. When we miss the mark that we're aiming for, do we quickly confess it and receive His forgiveness? That's the way to know that your faith is genuine and to continue to walk in fellowship in His light. Let me read this now one more time. <laughs> Passage we just looked at. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. I want to give you an invitation this morning. If you're willing to confess your sin before the Father, and commit to walking in the light, walking in a changed life different than you did before. Never done this before. You've never, you've never made the decision, I'm going to give myself to Jesus. Never decided to trust in what he's done for you. Then I want you to pray with me. You can pray it in your heart. If you're sitting at home watching this on the live stream or or the, the recording, then pray it with me now. Father, I've sinned. It's nobody else's fault. It's only mine. And I need forgiveness. I need a Savior to save me from sin, to rescue me from the dominion of darkness and set me in the kingdom of your beloved Son. And I'm putting my faith fully in the blood of Jesus, the one who was crucified for me 
and he rose from the dead on the third day. I believe that, and that's where I'm putting my faith. That's where I'm putting my trust. That's what I'm banking on. Based on my confession of faith in what Jesus did for me, forgive me. Purify me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to walk in the light, the light of your presence, the light of your word, light of your truth. And may I never stray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that today with me, I want you to do something. I just want you to, to, to let us know. Just let us know. You can talk to me after service. You can email us. You can, uh, however you want, just let us know and say, hey, I prayed that today and I gave my life to Jesus. I'm trusting in him and I will be praying for you. I also want to encourage you to begin to get into his word. Get into the scripture. Begin to uh, 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 read through the, the Bible what, uh, uh, and, and get to know Jesus. I would start with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the, the tell the story of Jesus' life. And also, as we're going through this series uh, in 1 John, be reading in 1 John. You know, I challenged us last week, let's read this book once every week while we go through this you know, series, especially for the next passage that's coming up. Um, by the time we're done with that, we ought to be very familiar with what John is saying in this book, with the truth in this book. So I encourage you to do that. And, uh, and again, let us know that, uh, hey, I'm, I'm joining in. I'm walking in the light uh, from here on out. So let's stand. <clears throat> uh, I want to mention